Welcome to the IMO podcast, honest and open conversations with care leavers. Hey, it's Chris with the IMO podcast, and today I am in London with Charlotte. Now, Charlotte, tell us how you met us here at IMO. Well, um, I'm involved in quite a lot of uh, leaving care forums, and they introduced me to an organisation called NIAS, National Advocacy Youth Service to help vulnerable children that feel like they don't have a voice. And and I met um, some people who help, like, run IMO and they mentioned the podcast and from there it's gone I'm here amazing we're so happy to have you with us so tell me so you say NIAS and advocacy why do young people in care need advocates well personally from like my own personal like dealings with like mental health services and certain social workers and appointments and stuff like that they don't really listen to us because we're like kids and they kind of have that very, well, what do you know? You're a child kind of mindset to it. But um, NIAS, what they do is you call them up and then you tell them how you genuinely feel and what you want help with. And then they'll get you in contact with someone that could help you, like better suited, or they'll call up and get it sorted for you there. And then I had a lot of problems with sorting my mental health appointments out and like month waiting lists just to be told that I was getting like sent to another organization but as soon as I asked them for a bit of help they got me an appointment within like a week or two so it's really good and helped me a lot. So uh, it would be great to talk a bit more about mental health Mm -hmm. in a minute but just focusing on advocacy still. So you Ask them for help, but now you've kind of crossed over to the other side and are working yeah. for them. Yeah, no, um, I I wasn't exactly the most well-behaved child and I always had so much... Well, now I'll think about it. Like Back then it was seen as misbehaved, but I think I just had so much emotion and passion and I just didn't know where to put it. And they've really given me the platform to get my story and my opinions out there on a like on a national kind of basis and for me to be able to like maybe make a bit of change instead of sitting on my couch like sulking about what's going on in the world. In terms of your care experience how do you feel that's that's been for you? Um, Personally my care experience experience as a whole was terrible it was absolutely terrible the um, help I'm getting now though I'm very thankful for. I feel like they are trying the hardest to better social services and finally we are starting to see like the changes that they've been trying to do for quite a long time. So it's nice to be a part of the positivity of of the social services. But for me, no, they didn't do a good job at supporting me. And from what I've heard, like my other friends as well, I don't think... Like the high, there's a higher percentage people will say they don't like social services than they do. I've noticed. So, you mentioned uh, mental health services mm-hmm. or trying to get mental health appointments. What's it like being a teenager uh, who requires mental health support? And from what you're saying, didn't get enough support at the mm-hmm. time. Is that right? Well, yeah, I've got um, a personality disorder, also known as borderline emotionally unstable. What I noticed in so in mental health is that they generalise it too much. They're treating everyone for depression. I genuinely think that anxiety and depression 
is an outcome of a deeper thing going on. One thing that we we talk about a lot is the thresholds to mm-hmm. access support. Do you feel that you were able to access support when you needed it? No, not at all. Um, the waiting lists are so long. It's like the, you've got to wait a month to speak to anyone properly, like face to face. And what mental health, that kid could have decided that they wanted to take their own life by then or to do something that they necessarily wouldn't have done if they would have had the support there and then like I understand that it's a big like demandancy and it is hard to get into the threshold but they should if there's so many people that are waiting or there's so many people that don't meet that threshold then why aren't they creating more things for that like why aren't they like so if you're waiting for cams why isn't there an organization that helps you whilst you're waiting type thing like I think there isn't nearly enough resources and mental health is such a wide spectrum and everyone's is different and they react differently from different things why are we all putting everyone in the same category when we're all so different what coping mechanisms have you developed over the years well it's to me coping mechanisms come with awareness I think people um suppress a lot of problems and it makes the conversation not like flowing it'll like stop people from discussing certain things going on in their lives because they think they're going to get judged for it but I think a big coping mechanism of mine is like getting it into my head that I'm not weird or different from doing that like identifying what upsets me and instead of being like oh that upsets me and I'm embarrassed about it upsetting me being like, yep, yeah, that did upset me. What am I going to do next to try and figure out better ways of dealing with it? So like for me, I'm very, I'm a perfectionist. And mm-hmm. if things don't go absolutely the way I want them to, I'll start getting panicked because I'll be like, oh my gosh, it's not, it's not going perfect. What I could do better than this. Oh my gosh. And then, um, so I started off sm- with small things like um, do you like a wonky picture? See how long I can like leave it there without needing to go and move it. At first, literally, it was like a couple of seconds. I was like, right, okay, I need to go change this right now and fix it. But over time, like I eventually left the picture longer, and then when I could just leave the picture to itself, then I found like a bigger like I tried to do it in a more social aspect kind of thing. So like in if I was working with um a charity about like bettering the social services system um i've usually with my perfectionism i'm not really good at teamwork because i think oh i've got to do it perfect and what about if someone else does it wrong and it's not up to the standard that i want it but what i realized as well is that necessarily you just like my ideas aren't always the best ideas and maybe they could do it perfectly type of thing but in their own way and just because it's not perfect to me doesn't necessarily mean it's not perfect I find it hard to believe someone could do it better than you Charlotte I'm Charlotte (laughs) thank you no I just I don't know I like to I like to I'm a very organized person so I like everything to be the way it's like flowing like a machine type thing I like to know everything's going good you talked about like accepting things that aren't perfect Mm -hmm. what about accepting oneself if we're not perfect I think that's 
in my like I think that's what life really is just learning to accept yourself finding what you want to do and what makes you happy it's all a personal journey really and as much as your friends can help you or your your family or anyone around you can help you it's very individual coming to terms with who you are like um awareing yourself of yourself it's all about self to me anyway self-improvement and not in the sense where you've got to change yourself to you know make people happy but You've got to change yourself to make yourself happy. I think it is very hard to admit that it's yourself holding you back from some things because everyone, like people as a whole, were very defensive species. Were very like, no, I, 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 that wasn't me. But I think everything's a learning curve. Like, just learn from it, and next time something similar happens, it it won't end in that result because you were prepared from last time. There are some things we've got to let go of in life, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I feel like everyone has different traumas at different levels, but it affects people in similar ways. And um, like I had quite um, a rough childhood, and I still struggle with letting, like, trusting people and letting people in. And at the end of the day, the only person that that like hurts like is me because I didn't get to go and meet all these wonderful new people because I was so closed off to the idea of being hurt it can work both ways because as where you need to have a bit of a understanding of people aren't always in it for the right reasons you can't let that completely stop you from talking to everyone ever so you've got to try and find that balance of using it as a learning curve but not letting it like like stop you from doing stuff because I know it's scary and it really hurt back in the day when certain things happened but life's not going anywhere and it's not stopping for anyone and everyone's moving forward so all you can do really is try and move forward with it you talked about um overcoming barriers are there any barriers that you've overcome that you feel particularly proud of overcoming it's hard to break away from all I've ever known, like um, crime culture and all my friends that are still doing the same things that I was to break out of that mould and not only break out of that mould but deal with the criticism from those type of people because you can always tell when someone's not particularly fond of you being there. Some people think that the child in care's voice shouldn't be heard and you can tell because you'll go into a... I'll go into like a a culprit parenting board and it's very much will be sat on one side of the room and they'll be sat on the other side of the room and you can tell that they're giving you bad looks and they're very dismissive of what you want to do and everyone's you're always going to find someone that's going to think that because of something to do with your past that you're not suitable for something but people do change and just because you come from a certain background doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be carrying a knife Tell me a bit about your journey from being in care, leaving care semi-independent to living mm. on your own. How was that? Well, it was quite um, a hard transition. Being in care as it is, I think that there isn't enough support. But then going into the leaving care, there's less support. And then you've got to deal with actual adult stuff that normal adults find difficult mm -hmm. but at the age of 18 on your own without having the ability to call mom or dad to ask for help like I know like fully grown 
adults like at 50 that still call the mum up when they're having a problem or they'll be like hey mum I've had come and help me but what people don't understand is that we don't have that safety net it's constantly like something that we have to do on our own there's bills there's landlords there's everything it's quite hard like keeping yourself fed and clothed and budgeting is it is difficult that feels really overwhelming when you just say all those things in that list. Yeah, I feel like I probably haven't got everything in there as well. Like, Oh, my God, I'm sure there's more, yeah. Because yeah, it's like um, your mental health is affected and the, the cons- from going in an environment with loads of people there all the time, like cause in a care home or if you're in, in semi-independent living or in foster care, you're living with people and you constantly have something going on. And especially when you're from care, it's usually quite... Like, there's always something dramatic going on. It's very, like, family drama or there's confrontation on the street or something like that. And when you move into your own place, it's, like, quiet and everything calms down and it's going from one extreme to the other. So it can be very, like, disorientated. And then there's also the aspect of you have your new house and you're still quite young parties like oh should we get these people around but then that implicates your tenancy and then you're back on the street and it's just not worth it at all if the biggest advice that i could give you is i know you want to have fun and you've got your own house for the first time and it's this freedom that you have but you need to remember that the people coming round have a place to go afterwards. That is your home and you need to protect it and look after it as long as you can so you always have a shelter over your head because there's only so much social services are going to help you with. Wise words, wise words. <laughs> Fully agree. Protect your tenancy. And don't don't cause any trouble, at least for the first six months, you know, like your guarantor period. Like Just keep your head down. Just try and... Just remember that it's it's a small time period of your life and once you're out of that time period of dealing with like learning how to get into the swing of paying for everything yourself, it does get easier and when it gets easier and you start seeing it working, you feel so proud of yourself. Like it's such an achievement to be able to keep your head afloat, especially at that age. So just try not to mess it up. What have you got coming up that you're looking forward to in your future? Like, I think you should be Prime Minister, but before that, what have you got? <laughs> I'd love to be Prime Minister. But... Oh, please, help us out. <laughs> um, at the moment, what I've got planned is I'm going... Well, I'm trying. I've got a lot of different projects going on at the same time. I work very closely with Bernardo's, and they're running a new project that was, like, created last year. So this was, like, the first time that's not been like in beta mode and what they do is they get um two kids and a caseworker in the project and that forms a triangle and then they give you a budget of like a certain amount of money for you to come up with an idea to better um the care system or to better your community in a way and my idea for my personal project is i quite like to create workshops within high schools so I go around to different high schools delivering um, workshops about awareness for mental health um, like language to use with certain people because you never know what other kids are going through at home such as just awareness of being kinder but also awareness of like what people want to do with their lives like 
at that time period in high school, it was very confusing for me. I didn't know what I wanted to do, what what was going on. All I knew is that I had so much passion and I just didn't know what to do with it. And that turned me into some very bad outlets. So I'm hoping I can get around schools and try and get some early intervention in there and try and get the idea in the heads of hmm, what would make me happy and what do I want to start doing with my life instead of going down the drugs or the drinking path that is so easy to go down, especially that age. Basically, what I'm trying to do now is get my story out there and try and get people in the positive, as many people in the positive mindset than I can, as I can, kind of thing. That's, yeah. Amazing. Well, you've certainly got me in a positive mindset, and I know anyone that's listening will not feel anything other than huge admiration and respect for you like I do right now. So, Charlotte, thank you so much for coming on to the IMO podcast. It's been a real pleasure to have you, uh, and uh, we can't wait to vote for you to be Prime Minister. Oh, thank you. You'll probably be hearing from me shortly. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. For more stories, experiences and advice from others in care, visit imohub.org.uk. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at imo underscore latest.